Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. We are taping from the My Policy Quote Studios here in Swickley, Pennsylvania. As always, I want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my fantastic producer, who I could not do the show without, Adam Zalouf. Thank you, Adam. Today's guest was an All-American at Penn State as a linebacker. In 1978, he led the undefeated Penn State team in tackles. He was drafted in the third round by the New York Jets, had a great eight-year career with the Jets, including being named to the Pro Bowl in 1985. He's also a great golfer and an even a better person, Mr. Lance Mel. Lance, thank you so much for being on our show. My pleasure, Claudia. All right. Lance, uh, first of all, before we go on, I talked to a guy today telling him that you were going to be on the show, and he knows a guy. He, he told him, he said, yeah, Lance Mel is going to be on Claudio's show. He said he remembered you going to their seventh grade practice after you retired, and you were teaching uh, the guard, uh, the linebackers how to read guards. And he said it was such a thrill. The whole team was like just big-eyed when they saw you. So he said that uh, to, to tell you thank you for that, you're a legend out that way in Ohio. <laughs> I'm curious to wonder, I wonder who that was. I, I don't know the young man. Uh, my, my friend's name is Nick Kaplack from Medina, but he talked to somebody who was, uh, I, again, I, I'm assuming out towards where you're from in Bel Air. So, uh, so you, you, you had impact back then you're still having impact. So that's, uh, something that's, that, that's, I know it's important to you, but, uh, now growing up in Bel Air before you became a legend, uh, tell us about your, your, your childhood, your childhood goals and dreams that say, let's go with, uh, 16, 17 years old. Well, at that time I was, I was playing three sports. I was playing football, basketball, and baseball. Really enjoyed all of them. Didn't like the running so much in basketball, but <laughs> Uh, that's why I was 180 pounds then, too. Right. <laughs> you wore it off. Yeah, yeah, we we ran a lot, but uh, we weren't very good. But we pressed people from the opening tip off to the end of the game. And of course, I was the point guy. I had to take the guy, at, you know, the ball. Whoever was taking the ball out, I was on him. And then I had to double whoever they threw it to and then sprint down court and play defense. and It, it was crazy, but uh, I loved it. So I, I did all that. And, and your baseball career? I started as a freshman in high school, which was pretty good for my high school. I didn't start as a basketball player until my junior year. And the same with football. So we had some pretty good talent. Not that I was that great in those other sports, but baseball, I played four years. And uh, the lowest batting average I had was my freshman year when I, I batted, I think, 305. Wow. And then I finished my last two years at 486. And then I went into a slump my senior year and only finished at 455. But we, did, we had wooden bats back then. Right, right, right. That makes a difference. 
Now, your, uh, your yeah. football career, obviously, uh, you, you were big time in high school to, in order to get to Penn State. But tell us a little bit about your football career and some of the schools that you were interested in going to other than Penn State. Well, you know, the, the funny thing was, you know, where I grew up in Belair, most of the families, uh, very few had money. So I really wasn't even thinking about college until I started getting letters uh, you know, about football. I, I hadn't even thought about going to college, even though I took some college prep courses in high school because my mother made me. <laughs> if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'd ever even thought that I had a chance. So I was, uh, like I said, I was just playing three sports. We went from one to the next with very few days off in between. And it was just, you know, I was just happy. And it, it was a uh, type of thing where we didn't have much money, didn't do much traveling, didn't have a vehicle. And, uh, you know, we lived for the sports. So what made you go to uh, Penn State? And, and what other schools, were there other schools you said you had you received some letters for some of the other schools? Well, most of them were like Mac schools. You know, I went to visit Kent State. Uh, and only because the guy that recruited me was pretty persuasive. You know, then I kind of followed. Uh, well, the guy's name was Nick Saban. Oh, wow. So he's had a pretty good career since he left Kent State. I think he was a GA back then. That was how long ago it was. So he was a good recruiter back in those days. But uh, Maryland, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State said I wasn't good enough. So they, they came and saw me once and then didn't recruit me anymore. And then Penn State, West Virginia was big on me back then. Uh, they were up there every day, or at least once a week anyway, visiting my high school. I was getting called out of class so much that my teachers were getting mad at me. <laughs> so but that, that, was, that was pretty much it. I mean, it wasn't a hard recruiting, but Penn State, I really liked the players and the coaches there. It seemed more, yeah, more relaxed. They they were friendlier. Uh, I didn't get that, you know, I'm a football player. You got to bow down to me type attitude. They were just friendly people that seemed like, you know, we just met on the street and started talking about anything. So you were comfortable going there. You knew it was going to be a good, comfortable situation. Well, you know, as much as I knew about anything being, you know, I, I never really left the valley much when I was growing up. I didn't travel a lot. We didn't go places. We didn't take vacations. The only people I met were through sports. So, uh, you know, leaving home was tough. You know, now, I was homesick the first year. Crazy. Sure. Yeah, that which leads to my next question. Like when you when you first suited up, that first game that you played at State College, I mean, that had to have been – a culture shock with all those people there screaming and hollering. And I guess it's your first time away from home. Tell us about that experience. Well, I didn't, as a freshman, I only dressed for three games. I didn't even dress for the first game I went to. I was just standing on the sidelines of my street clothes. 
So, but still going through the tunnel and seeing all those people and their that nittany lion roar, it was pretty impressive. But it was even, I think, even better by my junior year when I finally got to start. I played a lot as a sophomore. I was a backup nose guard. So I didn't even play linebacker until I was a junior. But it was uh it was pretty impressive. It was but then once the game started you just you didn't hear anything, you know. Sure. It was right. crazy how you just shut it out. Now you had some great moments and great seasons at Penn State. Uh, to, before we talk about the undefeated season, but tell us about some moments that stick out for you. Well, I as a as a sophomore being a backup nose guard, having never played nose guard, uh I learned a lot. I played against some pretty good guys that, uh, you know, I don't remember a whole lot of individual stuff. One thing I do remember is playing at, I think it was Rutgers. And I got in the game late, was playing quite a bit, you know, given Randy Sidler, who was ahead of me, he was an all American. Uh, I backed him up. So I, I just remember I jumped over the center and sacked the quarterback. Now he must he must have went in for a low block, and I just kind of leapfrogged him, I think, and got into the quarterback pretty quick. So that was pretty neat. I remember that as a, as a sophomore. And then we got to go to the Fiesta Bowl out in Arizona, where I rode a horse and a motorcycle for the first time. Didn't fall off the horse, but did wreck the motorcycle. <laughs> You didn't get hurt, though, did you? No, no, I just tore my hand up. Actually, I just rolled over a little bit. Couldn't stop the bike from falling, and down we went. But I just wrapped it up. It was bleeding like a stuck pig. But I just wrapped it up with a bandana, and we we rode for about three hours. We had a blast. But your coaches weren't too happy about that, though. Oh, they they didn't even know. Oh, really? (laughs) You know, as a sophomore, a backup, I did go into the trainers because they had to dig the rocks out of my hand, but I just wrapped it up and I didn't miss any practice or anything. Now, tell us about the 1978 team, the unbeaten team, which uh, you led the team in tackles, I believe. So tell us a little bit about that season. And did you know going into the season that you guys were going to be that great? You know, I really didn't. I, I had no, you know, I had no, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm you know, a small town boy and I really didn't have any clue. All I knew is I was, I was excited to be playing linebacker finally. And I just went out there and had a blast and, uh, I had no idea how good we were probably. In, yeah. Our first clue was we, we sumped the highest state out there. We shut them out, and I had 20-some tackles in that game Wow! and an interception, and should have had another one. I dropped one. Could have been a touchdown. I broke right in front of a receiver, but dropped it. But, uh, you know, I think we started getting an idea then, and we just had a lot of good players. I didn't know that we had a lot of great, great players. We had some pretty darn good ones. And a lot of them ended up in the pros. Tell us about between, some of those teammates. 
Well, you know, if you start with the senior, you had Chuck Cusina was a quarterback. He ended up playing pretty good. And, uh, well, he went to the USFL. Right. He got drafted in the NFL, but played more in the USFL. And then uh, Rich Malott, who ended up playing with the Redskins for nine years as a linebacker. And he was a Mr. Everywhere at Penn State. I think he played tailback, linebacker, safety. You know, they just moved him wherever they needed him. But he ended up having a nice, nice pro career. Uh, Keith Dorney. As a first-round draft pick by the Detroit Lions. I don't know how many years he ended up playing, but then uh, Scott Fitzke, another USFL guy. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the guys. Eric Cunningham ended up with the Jets. He was a lineman. Then Matt Millen, obviously, and Bruce Clark. Matt played several years. Obviously, you know who he is. Sure, sure. And Bruce Clark was a hell. He was the fourth player picked in the draft by the Packers our senior year. That was our junior year in '78. Right. And then, uh, oh my God, Matt Suey, Mike Gooman, Irv Pankey. Mike Gooman, yeah, Pump, the Rams, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pankey played for the Rams too for yeah. like 10, 11 years. Well, you mentioned those names, and it, you know you don't think about those guys like Clark and Gooman. I remember uh, Gooman number forty-four, I believe, for the Rams. That it, it just conjures up all kind of memories of those guys. You guys have, were, were loaded. Yeah, and then we had Matt Suey, who ended Matt up Suey, Chicago with the Bears. Yeah, and blocking for Walter Payton. That's right. It was fun playing against the guys. You know, when you you know finally got to the NFL and you'd see them and talk to them. Although Millen, he got mad at me when we played the Raiders in the playoffs, and I intercepted two passes at the end of the game to beat him. And it was a playoff, so we went to the AFC Championship game, and they went home. So he wouldn't even talk to me after the game. <laughs> sure. He seemed to be a fired-up type guy. He wouldn't have liked that for sure. Yeah, he was uh, He was not very really happy, although I've talked to him a lot since then, but uh, he was he was a character. Well, we're going to take a quick break and talk about your senior year at Penn State and, of course, being drafted by the Jets and your eight-year career. So we'll be right back uh, with Lance Mel after we hear a message from Roscoe, our great sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Laurie, and my policy quote, call Lou Raggy Ante at... 412-609-9963. And don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get the book on my website, ClaudioRelsano.com, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, and Barnes & Noble and Robinson Township. And don't forget about our great boxing show, uh, The Boxing Authorities. You can catch us on Channel Box and PCTV21 Verizon, uh, Comcast, PCTV47 Verizon. And my YouTube channel, Claudio Rosano TV, and my new podcast, the Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association podcast. You can check us out on www.pa-bca.org. We'll be right back with Lance Mel. 
Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. How much was your tax penalty for your health insurance last year? Were you told your health premium was going to be something, then you wound up paying a huge tax penalty? Are you tired of being lied to about your premium and then getting stuck in the penalty box? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412 609 9963. Okay, Lance, tell us a little bit about your senior year going into that uh, season, the team, and uh, were you thinking at all about the NFL? Well, our senior year, you know, we lost all those good, real good seniors. Uh, you know, there's a, my fellow linebacker, Paul Sue, who was Matt's brother. He graduated, so uh, Steve Griffiths came in. He was taller than I am, tall and thin. And then we had Leo Wisniewski and, and uh, Mike Munchak. We had some that, that junior class behind me when I got to be a senior it was a heck of a group. It was a lot of talent in that. And of course, we had uh, my senior year, Todd Blackledge and Jeff Hostetler both were with us as quarterbacks. Now, neither one of them got to start. But uh, our quarterback that did start wasn't very, you know, he was a backup. He was my class. He was a senior. He was there, freshman, you know, sophomore, junior. So he finally got the chance to play and, and it just wasn't, you know, didn't have a great year. Let's put it that way. So our offense was pretty bad. And then we had a little problem in preseason. Matt Millen didn't finish the, we had these tests we had to do, running tests. And Matt didn't finish the one test. He walked the last half lap, which was pretty tough anyway. So 
So that he ended up getting suspended by Paterno for four games. And then Bruce Clark got hurt for a couple games early on in the season. So needless to say, it was a crazy senior year. We ended up, I think, eight and four for the year. We got absolutely demolished by Nebraska out there in uh, 120 degree on the field AstroTurf. It was brutal, and they just ran and ran and ran and ran. It was it was crazy, but it was a tough senior year. It really was with all the turmoil, and I can remember Irv Pankey and I. We were captains along with Matt. Joe took his captaincy away. We had to go in and beg him not to kick him off the team because he just didn't finish that stupid half mile, which I I thought was stupid anyway because (laughs) never in the game did we run a half mile. (laughs) Then we got a a two-and-a-half-minute break and had to run another half mile, and it all had to be in certain times. Like we were track athletes, you know, I'm running a, we had to run, I think as a linebacker, I had to run 250 for a half mile, then 255 after a two and a half minute break. Now that two and a half minutes went by so fast. I think I leaned over and I heard the whistle blow and they said, you got to go again. And I couldn't believe it. I, I made it to second lap. The last half lap, I had tunnel vision. I mean, I literally could see just a dime-sized speck of light. I don't know how I made it by the grace of God, I think. And Matt, you know, being a lineman, he had he had probably 10 seconds longer. And uh, he just started walking that second lap on the second half mile. You know, what could you do? I mean, that was brutal. That Absolutely me, brutal. Uh, Earl Campbell, Bum Phillips was told by somebody that Earl Campbell ran a slow 100-yard uh, dash. And, and Bud Bum Phillips said, well, if I need 100 yards, I won't ask Earl to run the ball. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's common sense, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes. And Matt, said, Matt, and Matt said the same thing. Yeah, I've never run a half mile in a game. Never have run straight half mile in a game. He was a phenomenal player oh, in sure, college. Sure. Well, they say Dick Butkus couldn't run straight very fast at all, but sideline to sideline and maybe about five to seven, eight, nine yards straight ahead, he was who he was. So, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Now, uh, tell us about being drafted. Were there whispers uh, that you were going to get drafted? Did you have any idea? And tell us about the day that you were drafted. Well, you know, the whole the whole process, you know, by the end of my senior year, I was fed up with football. You know, I, you know, I got, I got married my, before my junior year in college. So I, my wife and I were living in poverty, you know, in, in college there. And she was a registered nurse and working part-time at the, at the center community hospital it was called back then. But, uh, I mean, we were just, just surviving happy. We, we had enough. We had two old broken down cars, beat up cars that we used, uh, having a blast. But I was done with football after all the stuff with Mellon and, you know, the rough season. In fact, I told, there were scouts that came around and they started talking to people. And I told a couple of them, I said, I don't, you know, I think I'm done. I don't think I'm even want to play. 
so they uh they said well why don't you do these tests and stuff for us and so i did all that and i then all these agents started calling us and i they wanted to take me out to dinner i said well my wife you know i have a wife he said well she can come too obviously so we started going out just so we had a free meal you know like once a week these agents were coming around and we were having a free meal so it was a big deal for us and instead of eating bologna and peanut butter and jelly or, or spaghetti we got to go out and have a steak or, so it was a kind of a bonus for us so we looked at it as just like a okay it, it could be interesting and then uh I, we started talking. I said, "Well, you know, these scouts are coming around. These, you know, these agents are coming around. They're telling me I'm going to get drafted." You didn't hear anything. We didn't have all the news networks, the ESPNs, sure, sure. every none of that. We had no idea. I had no clue what was going on. I know I was getting invited to, you know, a couple combines, but combines back then were basically just physicals. They didn't do any running tests there. The scouts had to come on campus and do that. So I was running, uh, doing all these stuff for them. And, and I started talking to my wife and I said, well, I have a teaching job. Blair offered me a job and I know it's going to make $9,995 the first year, less than 10,000 for you know, first year teaching. Cause I had a teaching degree and, uh, I said, the NFL's got to pay more than that. So maybe we ought to look into this. So that's what I started, you know, taking a little more seriously and started doing all the tests and going to the combines and everywhere. Draft day came. I was actually doing my student teaching in uh, Belfont High School. And I remember I was in the industrial arts education. So I was at Woodshop. And my co-op teacher was a pretty good guy. I stayed in touch with for years afterwards. In fact, I probably could call him tomorrow. Still a pretty good guy, he and his wife. But, you know, we watched the first round of the draft, saw Bruce Clark get drafted. I thought that was pretty cool. And then I had to teach, and I didn't watch anymore. I went home. So this was, I don't even know what day of the week it was. I couldn't tell you. Obviously, it was a weekday because I was school. It's before they had the big TV, you know, extravaganza and everything. And I, I just remember getting a call about six o'clock at night. And they said, this is uh, the New York Jets. You know, hold on for Coach Michaels. It was Walt Michaels at the time. Sure. And I remember Linda and I talking, my wife, and saying that, you know, the only thing I don't want to do is I don't want to go to New York. I don't want to go to Chicago. I don't want to go to LA. That's the biggest cities. I, I, I don't think I'd like it. I don't know what, to, you know, I was intimidated. I was from small town. Sure, sure. I didn't even like driving in Wheeling, West Virginia, let alone any big city. <laughs> right. So, so the first one that calls me, obviously the only one that called me was the Jets. And the first question they asked me is, do you have any problem playing in New York? And he, of course, my answer was absolutely not. <laughs> Even though that was one of the cities that I didn't really want to go to, but I'm, I wasn't that dumb. I wasn't going to turn it down. So I ended up going there and, uh, you know, it worked out pretty good. Now, 
when you suited up or maybe even before that, did you reflect back on your, on your childhood Penn state days? And like you said, you know, you had some tough times prior to signing pros and getting drafted. Did you look back and say, wow, look how far I've come, but I still have to turn this up and, and, and professional, but did you look back a little bit and reflect how far you came? I, I did not, you know, I, I feel like, uh, that, that I always was led to where I was going to go. You know, it was just like, it was divine intervention. I, I think God had a plan for me and, and that's what I just blindly followed. And, you know, he threw out the bread crumbs, crumbs to me and said, you know, it became obvious, you know, I was getting recruited. West Virginia was offering me everything under the sun. I mean, I had a car, a job, they were going to pay for my, girlfriend at the time who's my wife now to go to nursing school some of the alumni contacted my dad who worked at a steel mill and said if he goes to west virginia we'll we'll pay for this so i told him i was going not just only because of that but because of all the other perks and then uh yeah, Jerry Sandusky was recruiting me for Penn State. He came to school right after I told West Virginia I was coming. <clears throat> so I told Jerry, you know, I don't, before you start talking, Jerry, I just want you to know I decided I'm going to West Virginia. And his mouth dropped open. He says, but why? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. So we talked for, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And it wasn't about football. It wasn't about this. It was just, is this what you feel is right for you? <laughs> and I knew it wasn't. I was making that decision for the wrong reason. So I, I changed my mind. The hardest thing I had to do was tell those coaches from West Virginia that I wasn't going to sign. So that, uh, that was tough. But anyway, I never really considered it. When I got to the NFL, my rookie year, you got to remember, I had nothing. We had no money. We, you know, parents weren't wealthy at all. I wouldn't even gone to college if it wasn't for a scholarship. Sure. So I was just, I signed my contract and I had $26,000 in the bank for a signing bonus. And I thought, I'm set. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to worry. You know, I got more money. Than, I worked in the coal mines underground for three summers while I was in college. That was the perk Penn State got me, an underground coal mining job. So it was tough, dirty, and I knew I didn't want to do that forever. That's what kept me in college. But anyway, I, I did all that. When I got that twenty-six grand, I went to camp. I wasn't overwhelmed by it. The defenses weren't that difficult to, to learn. The biggest difference was everybody was really good, you know, and you just had to learn whether you could do it or not physically. Mentally, I didn't have any issues because I could, uh, you know, I could, we made a lot of adjustments in college, so that wasn't a big deal. But I went into training camp doing what I had to do, but not expecting a whole lot. You know what I mean? I just wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't 
stressed about it. I was just so calm and I just took it as it came. These guys were fighting in lines and, you know, we're doing drills. These guys are fighting to get in front of me. There's 20 linebackers there before the veterans came in. And we only played the the 4-3. And there was obviously the veterans coming back a week later after we reported. So, I mean, there was 20 new guys. And we only had a 45-man roster back then, no practice squad. So I was just like, okay, go ahead. I just let him go in front. I took my turn. I'd go stand in line. Somebody wanted to get in front of me. I'd step in. Okay, go ahead. Do it again. But the key was what I found out really quick was when you got into team work or scrimmaging is you didn't make mistakes. And you know, I didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. I was where I was supposed to be. I was making plays, even though I didn't get a lot of them all the time you know and i just i just didn't stress about it i just had a good time it wasn't until i dressed i think my second year after i made the team my second year and was starting that i that i thought wow you know i'm going to be playing and then i start started uh, reminiscing about playing in high school and you know, we've had quite a few pro players from Blair High School come out over the years. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's been several. Uh, in fact, I think there's, now you're going back into the 40s and 50s, but there's like 20-some people out of my small town wow. that made it to the big leagues for various lengths of time, obviously. But just the fact that you were there you know, and made a team was that's pretty impressive for a small town. You know, Joey Galloway is one of the later ones. That is, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that many uh, from, from that area for sure. We're going to talk a little bit more about your pro career and some of the, the some of the players, uh, your teammates. Uh, you had a very interesting group for the Jets in your eight years. But uh, when we come back, uh, you're going to listen to our uh, commercials, our sponsors, uh, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom Spreet's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, uh, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson, Lori, my policy quote, call Lou Ragianti at 412-609-9963, and my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get it on my website, johnmelvinpublishing.com, and Barnes Noble in Robinson Township. Our great boxing show, the boxing, our TV boxing show, The Boxing Authorities with Luther Dupree Jr. and Smokin' Jim Frazier. You can catch us on Channel Box and on PCTV 21 Comcast, PCTV 47 Verizon. Check out my YouTube channel at Claudio Relsano TV and our new podcast, the Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association podcast. You, I interview a lot of high school and college basketball coaches. You can check that show out on www.pa-bca.org. Right back with former Penn State line and New York Jet linebacker Lance Mel. 
Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's, the hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. How much was your tax penalty for your health insurance last year? Were you told your health premium was going to be something and you wound up paying a huge tax penalty? Are you tired of being lied to about your premium and then getting stuck in the penalty box? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412 609 9963. Okay, Lance, as I said uh, before break, you had a lot of uh, interesting characters on defense and even on some on offense, I'm sure. But tell us a little bit about your New York Jet teams in your eight year span. And uh, you guys had some success as well. Yeah, we had some uh, pretty darn good players. Uh, my rookie year didn't start off so good. Uh, we were four and 12. They called us the Samsonite kids. We had our luggage packed before the season was halfway through. <laughs> That's what one of our coaches called us. It was crazy, but uh, it was it was fun. I mean, uh, I look back on the guys. I just lost two of them this last couple of weeks, and Marvin Powell and. Uh, Jim Sweeney from Pittsburgh. Oh, that's right. Jim Sweeney. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah, know about Jim, Marvin Powell. Yeah, Marvin died uh, a little bit before Jim did. He was only 67. So disappointing and scary, but it's sad to, to lose those two guys. But anyway, uh, you know, I played with Joe Klecko, Mark Gastineau, Marty Lyons, well, Greg Buttle, who was a Penn Stater, who was uh, he was the undisputed leader of our defense my first three years. He was uh, he was the type of guy that he would change the defensive call in the huddle. Coach would signal in the defense, and he'd say, "We're not doing that. We're doing this." <laughs> he would change the defense and say, "You guys better cover my butt." Right. Only he said a different word, but sure. 
that uh, I mean, they were characters. They they didn't hesitate to speak their mind. You know, I'd walk into the locker room my rookie year, and at halftime, four or five guys are smoking cigarettes. Before the game, they're passing these pills around, which was speed, which I didn't know anything about. I, you know, Penn State, we didn't have any of that stuff. Right. I learned real quick that uh, the pro coaches were nothing like our Penn State coaches. Number one, they cursed every other word. At Penn State, they they didn't curse. And if you got caught cursing, you got fined. Of course, it was a quarter, but no, it was a dime, I think, back then. But, uh, I mean, it was just a whole different atmosphere. It really was more like North Dallas 40, the movie. Sure. You know, Penn State was such a a positive player. I mean, if you didn't feel, or, you know, if you weren't a hundred percent at Penn state, if, the, if they knew about it, you, you didn't play, if, especially if you couldn't practice. Well, I found out in the pros, you just, the first thing that the veterans told me is I got a high ankle sprain in preseason and third preseason game. And I'm sitting there soaking my ankle in ice and one of the veterans comes in and he says, you know, you can't make the club in the tub. And I thought, well, what the hell is that? You've got to do with anything, you know, and this is preseason. So I figured I should, I'm guess I'm going to get cut. You know, so I, I really just thought I was done. But that rookie year, and then I, you know, I got voted the ugliest rookie of the year by Marty Lyons and Joe Klecko. Or two really handsome, you know, guys themselves. <laughs> but they came up to me in practice one day, and I'm leaning on my helmet, waiting to go in for something. And they come over and they said, "Hey, Lance, we decided you're the, we voted you the ugliest rookie of the year." And I said, "Well, thank you very much," because <laughs> I certainly wouldn't argue with either one of them. They're bigger than right. I was. Right. So I said, "Thank you." And that was it. I mean, that that's the type of respect I had, I guess. Sure. But uh, about, they uh, were characters. Mark Gastineau and everybody. Now, the New York sack exchange, obviously, was a was a big deal back then. But tell us a little bit about him and, and uh, your relationship with him. Well, Mark was an interesting guy. Mark, uh, when he found out that the people went nuts over that sack dance, he he got consumed was just making the sack. You know, he he said to hell with the run. If he made a tackle on a run, it was an accident. The guy had to run into him or something. But he just did not care. He just went upfield, and he was trying to make a sack every play. But I'll tell you this, he was a phenomenal athlete. Sure. He, he was 285, and he ran a 4.5840, which is pretty impressive for somebody that size. Hell, I couldn't run a four, five, eight, forty with a tailwind and skates on. <laughs> I mean, he was just an impressive. He never was out of shape, but he just didn't get a rat's end about anything except making those sacks. Sure. We played the first game my second year. We get we're losing to Buffalo, thirty-one to nothing. It's the fourth quarter, maybe four or five minutes left. They got the ball. I say to Mark come down hard inside. I'm playing for Buttle on the left side the first game of the year because Buttle was hurt. 
So I'm behind Gaston. So I tell him to come down hard. You're going to run it. So what's he do? He goes upfield. Here comes a fullback in the guard at me. I, I'm fighting for my life. I make tackle, you know, seven, eight yards downfield. I, this happens three times in a row. Three times in a row, I told him to come down hard inside. Three times in a row, he goes out wide. They run the same stinking play. Third time, I'm laying on the sidelines after I got the guy down. I'm, I made the tackle again three times in a row. I'm laying on my back. The guy jumps off of me. Well, Michaels is standing over me. He says, Mel, you're out. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I said, coach, I, he said, he said, relax. I know what's happening. He said, he was a linebacker himself. He knew I was taking a beating from Mark running up field. Well, we get on the bus after the game. We're going back to the airport to go fly back to Long Island. Mark says, Lance, sit with me on the bus. So I sit down with him. He says, well, how do you think we did? I said, well, we got beat 31 nothing. I say we sucked the root. You know, I think we sucked pretty bad. He said, no, 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 no. I mean, me and you on our side. He's, he said, I had a sack. You had a bunch of tackles. I said, Mark, we lost. He said, I know, I know, but we did pretty good, huh? And I just thought, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it, you know, that's just how his mental thing was. Sure. Now, when Buttle left three years later, or two years later after that one, I had to tell him what to do every play defensively. He wouldn't even come in the huddle by this time. He'd make a sack or he'd make a play. He was just so exhausted, he would just walk slowly back. And I'd call the signal. He'd get back over the line. He'd look over and he'd say, Lance, what do I got? What do I do? And I'd tell him where to go every play. And he would tell everybody that. He didn't care. I brought you know, friends and family up, and I didn't introduce him to him. He said, oh, so I love this guy. He takes care of me. He took care of me. He still does it. When I see him, I just saw him this summer. And he tells everybody that we're around. He said, this man took care of me. He said, I love this guy. He's, he, he's my guy. <laughs> I got to say he's loyal, nothing else. Right, right, yeah. But, but he was a, a character. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Everybody knows who Mark Gaston is. And then he went on to our – matter of fact, here in my studio slash office, I have a poster of Vinny Pazienza, the former five-time world champion boxer. He was fighting a guy named Dana Rosenblatt. And on the undercard – this is August 23rd, 1996, was Butterbean, was scheduled to fight Mark Gastineau, but it never, that fight never took place for whatever reason. But uh, Mark got in the ring a little bit and had an interesting right. career there as well. <laughs> I tell you what, I watched him box one time. I was embarrassed for him. Yeah. I think he, he ran and hid more than he did anything else. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't for him, that's for sure. No, he, he didn't have real long arms either, so that, that didn't help him. Now, you finished up, uh, you had a Pro Bowl season 1985, and you retired. What, what made you retire, number one, and what did you do after retirement? Well, I blew my left knee, or my right knee out against New Orleans in 1986, about halfway through the season. We were, that's, yeah, that's the year we were thinking we were going all the way. And I blew my knee out against the Saints at the Meadowlands. 
And then Klecko blew his knee out. And then Marty Lyons hurt his shoulder. And Gastineau hurt his knee. All within a span of about three to four weeks. And then we went on to lose the last five games of the year and barely made it to the playoffs. That's when Cleveland beat us in overtime because Gastineau, who came back from his knee, roughed Bernie Kosar, and the Browns ended up beating us, I think, in overtime or at the last second of the game. I don't even remember. I blocked that out. <laughs> but then, then I came back in 87. We had to strike in 87. I missed half the season again, and and I came back the third game back. I got hit in the left knee, blew it out against Miami. At least I went out on a Monday night. It was a Monday night game. But uh, that was the third game back from, you know, after the strike. And uh, that was all I, I just thought, you know what? I said, the Lord's telling me, you know, I only got two knees. I've blown them both out now. It's time to get out. I think from that moment on, I was going to retire. And it, but it took me to the day training camp opened in 88 when I finally said, uh, I think I need to pack it in. After that, I came home and I actually built some houses, worked construction for a few years. Uh, and then I started working with juvenile court here in our county and working with juvenile delinquents. And I spent 20 years doing that, trying to keep them out of jail and trying to be actually, we ended up being, you know, kind of like surrogate parents for him. It was an intensive probation program. It started off like a boot camp. We exercised the kids eight hours a day on Sundays or Saturdays during the school year. And then uh, we had them five days a week exercising them during the week in the summer. And then we found out we were just making stronger and faster delinquents. I read that quote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we ended up... Uh, putting a little more uh, therapy into the program and doing some different things, doing a lot more community service and, and then talking to the kids. We had curfews. They had a program they had to work through. It was four level program at the time and they could earn bonus days by doing the right things. And we'd punish the kids that screwed up in school. We'd go check up on them in school and then we'd check their curfews at night. We'd go out at nights and check, make sure they were home. You know, we had 50, 60 kids, so we did a lot of phone calls and a lot of driving around. But it was pretty intensive, and the, the word got around that if you screwed up, we'd we'd lock you up. Now, we'd lock them up for a couple of days, maybe, sometimes just overnight. And then we'd get them out and say, if you don't want to do it again, then don't do the same behavior again. Sure. So, I mean, we spent a lot of a lot of time and effort with those kids and we straightened out quite a few of them. Now you so it was pretty rewarding. From, you recently retired from that, correct? Right. Right. I, I started having issues with my back where I got to the point where I couldn't stand up straight, lay down. And I found out I had some serious issues back there and, uh, ended up having an eight hour surgery to get the, get it straightened out and put the rods and screws in there. And that led to another couple operations. And by that time I said, I'm done. I can't, I can't chase kids. I can't even run, let alone chase them. Yeah. yeah you don't need that. Yeah. So it was time to get out. Yeah. Yeah. 
But we're going to take our final commercial break, and we're going to talk about uh, your thoughts on the NFL today. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsors once again, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and our newest sponsor, My Policy Quote, call Lou Ragianti at 412-609-9963. All those people are wonderful people. You definitely, if you need their services, they are definitely the people to go to. Don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. Go to my website, ClaudioRelsano.com. Our great, the best boxing show, TV boxing show out there with Luke Dupree Jr. and Smoking Jim Frazier, the Boxing Authorities. Catch us on Channel Box. We're on that station all the time. You download that. And uh, our new podcast, the Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association, you can check that out on www.pa-bca.org. And my YouTube channel at Claudio Relsano TV, there's all kind of different things you can check us out on. So, But we're right back with former uh, Penn State linebacker and New York Jet pro bowler Lance Mel. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout Western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. How much was your tax penalty for your health insurance last year? Were you told your health premium was going to be something, then you wound up paying a huge tax penalty? Are you tired of being lied to about your premium and then getting stuck in the penalty box? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412 609 9963. Okay, Lance, do you watch much of the NFL today? And if you do, your thoughts? Uh, I do not watch a whole lot. I, I get, well, let's put it this way I, I, I can't stand watching the tackling. You know, we would get in trouble if we missed as, Yeah, we get in trouble if we missed as many tackles as these guys do. I mean, we'd get benched or hell, you get cut. You just didn't uh, – it just seems to me that the, the game has changed, obviously. It's it's all speed. 
everything is speed, speed. You know, everybody's got to be fast. They're getting, well, the linemen have gotten bigger, but the defensive guys have gotten smaller, the secondary guys. You know, even some of the linebackers are smaller, and they're just so fast. But uh, I think the fundamentals have gone out the window. You know, they just, I I can't understand how they play defense sometimes, and it, it just... It just frustrates me, so I don't watch a whole lot. They well, play zone defense, and it's just – it's zone is not even considered, I don't think, much anymore. They just don't know how to play it. Yeah, it, it's definitely a different game, and I complain about baseball. It's hard to watch the game, even though I still coach and scout and all that. It's major league game is much different than it used to be. It's not coached as well, in my opinion. It certainly isn't played as well, in my opinion, which is connected to the coaching. And uh, it, it's definitely tough to watch. But we have something here called our Eric Jackson Lurie final word. Criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. Okay, here's a question for you. Okay. You played against Dan Marino two times a year, being in the same division. Uh who would you rather play against? Who do you think would have been tougher? Dan Marino or Tom Brady? You know, Tom Brady reminds me a lot of Jim Montana. You know, not the strongest arms, but it was a lot of timing and a lot of uh, placement balls. Uh, Marino had such a quick release, and everything was tailored to him with the, you know, the duper and clayton uh they did so many you know they had to we called it 82 92 they ran it all the time just trying to get to it because they would adjust the route which is basically the inside guy was going to the flat the outside guy was doing a slant and they would just adjust it according to where you drop so it was a game all the time I mean, we had some hellish games against miami with marino in there oh yeah but i do got to tell you a quick marino story sure we were playing him down there in Miami, I believe. And you couldn't get close to him because he would he'd get rid of the ball so fast. So finally there was it was a play, you know, he throws the ball and I know I was, I was more than a step away from him, which at that time was still legal, but I drilled him. I mean, I just flattened him. And he's laughing a little bit and I reached down to help him up. He said, Lance, why'd you do that? I said, so I can tell my grandkids I, I knocked a Hall of Famer on his ass. <laughs> it was something along those lines. I don't really remember what I said, but I was I was telling basically I wanted to tell everybody that I finally got to hit you. And they, right. I wanted to tell them I was going to be a Hall of Famer at some point. But uh, I, I think it would have been, in my book, Marino. Because uh, even though both of them were, are immobile, but you know, it's, it's a different time, a different era. I think if Marino played in today's game, wow, what he could do. Yeah, I could. I thought it was that was something I was going to mention. Can you imagine the number he put up? Big numbers back then. Can you imagine the numbers he put up today? Or a, a guy like Namath, who I know you didn't play with him, but obviously you, you come across him many times. And when he was younger, the numbers he would have put up today. Well, I mean, yeah, take away all the hitting that these guys took. It, it, it's a phenomenal 
difference. I mean, it was, I can't imagine. Well, all those guys, you look, I, I played against Marino, Montana, Elway, uh, Kelly. There was a pretty good group of guys. And I know I forget, played against Warren Moon and, uh, you know, I can't even remember some of those guys <laughs> Tr- trying to pull them up. It just eludes me. Dan Fouts played against oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's a ton of, of quarterbacks that were just, uh, you know, you don't get a hit. It makes it a different game. Well, you know, they show you a know, lot of clips of uh, Roman Gabriel, who was one of the guests on our show, but he used to get pounded. I mean, oh, and, yeah. as, as Namath did, especially when he played against the Raiders and Ben Davis, I mean, they would give him a little extra shot. Nowadays, obviously, that would never happen. But those guys had to stand in that pocket and just get pounded, and they got right back up. And they were muddied and limping and busted up. And uh, it, was, it was a different game. And I think if those guys were playing today, the numbers that you meant, you know, you mentioned Fouts or Stabler. Or, or again, Namath, Marino, Montana, those guys, the numbers they would have put up today would be unreal. Oh, yeah, they'd be phenomenal. And if these guys today would have played back then, I don't know if they'd have had those numbers, in my opinion. Right. Well, like I said, you know, it's hard to – everything's different. But let's face it, I mean, these guys aren't getting hit nearly as bad as these quarterbacks did when I played. And and before that, I remember watching Roman Gabriel when I was a kid. Yeah, that was my brother's favorite team was the Rams. So. Sure. You know, as kids out in the in the Sandlot, you know, you were a quarterback and Rams fan. You were Roman Gabriel. I was a Packers fan, so I was Bart Starr. <laughs> yeah, well, he he took some hits. Yeah, like we said, it was just a different uh, different game. But I still I still enjoy watching those older guys and. Uh, well, Lance, you know, I, I see you all the time at the golf events, and it's always a pleasure to see you and, and, and talk with you. And I, we've been talking about doing this show, and I appreciate your time. And you've always been kind to me and kind with everybody. Everybody loves seeing you, and, and I look forward to seeing you again this spring and summer. Uh, thanks for taking time to being on the show. Well, I, I thank you for having me, Claudia. I hope, hopefully some people listen to it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I hope, it, not- <laughs> hope it's not one of your worst performing ones. No, not at all. Not at all. A lot of guys. <laughs> we'll be putting, uh, we'll be promoting it on Facebook and everything, and and uh, I know for sure we'll have a nice uh, draw for it. That a lot of people enjoy meeting you, and you're always nice to everybody, and uh, I I know it'll be a popular show for sure. Oh, I, I got a quick story I got to tell you. Yeah. I got sure. a letter today with a letter today from a a person in Poland with pictures on football card one me to sign. There you go. Unbelievable. Poland. Yeah, that's gonna make you feel good. Get from yeah, I, mean, I still get these letters, especially during football season with football cards people want me to sign. So I figure I can be a celebrity in my mind for that moment while I sign that <laughs> card and send it back. Well, like I said, you always get a nice hand. When I, I remember we used to do that uh, golf event in St. Clairsville. That was always that's where I met you. That was a great event. Yeah, the Christian yeah. Soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great event. And now, you know, the NFL alumni and some other ones—they're all great events. And I'm I've enjoyed being invited to all of them. And like I said, seeing guys like you and and uh, it's always fun. Well, there's a lot of great guys. That's for sure. There is. There is. I, uh, Marv Kelm and I texted today and he's uh hanging in there so he's not a guy that's what i was saying 
Oh yeah, how's he doing? He's he's getting there. You know, he's he's getting it in the right lane. He's been going through a lot, obviously. But, uh, thank God, he's. It seems like things are kind of going in the right direction, so that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, he's one of the staples at the golf events, and and uh, I told him I, I can't wait to see him back up there. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. He's he's a great guy. Sure is, sure is. Once again, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the spring. All right, Claudia, I'll look forward to it as well. All right, brother, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Okay, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Lance, as I said, is a great guy and a lot of great stories, which uh, very interesting stories. So I know you'll enjoy that. As always, I want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and the outros. My fantastic producer, Adam Zalouf. Thank you, Adam. Uh, thank you all to all the listeners. Subscribe to the show. Uh, we have a bunch of great guests uh, coming up, as always. Luther Dupree Jr., Smokin' Jim Frazier. We'll have some other former NFL players. We'll get some baseball players in uh, during the playoffs, I'm sure. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to The Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. to my mom she can't understand me she gets so cranky and irritable well your mother's ears cannot understand speech sounds and that leaves her trying to guess what you said this makes conversation exhausting for her can we help her Yes, Julie. Once we improve her hearing, she'll be less frustrated and be able to enjoy talking with you again. If your loved one needs help hearing and understanding, call the Roscoe Hearing Center at 814-375-0455. Hearing solutions with the care you've been looking for. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Are you tired of paying too much for health insurance? With those enormous premiums, you lose yardage, then get sacked with all the upfront costs. What are you paying for? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412-609-9963.